How's everybody doing today? This is the Picky Fingers Banjo Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Keith Billick. And for this one, I'm actually flying solo. No guest stars today. Figured I would uh, take a little break from the interviews, do another one of these instructional episodes. So I hope you enjoy it and get something out of it. First of all, however, I do need to, as always, give the shout out to the Patreon supporter for today's episode. Today, it's a banjo player from the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area named Rory Petrie. Rory plays in a blues folk kind of trio, so you might see him performing around that area, or if you happen to be wandering through the Mitchell Park Domes, he's also a horticulturist in the area, so if you hear some banjo music in the distance as you wander through those gardens, feel free to uh, give Rory a shout. Either way, Rory, thank you for your support. Thank you for everyone else who's been visiting the Patreon page. If you'd like to check that out, it's patreon.com slash banjo podcast. And if you go to that page, you can learn how to become a supporter for one of these episodes. So that's one way to support the podcast. And you all know the other ways. You share the links on social media, tell all your friends. I really do appreciate that. And that, that does help a lot. So I appreciate all of you who are spreading the word that way as well. If you'd like to get a hold of me, uh, for any reason, either offer comments or suggestions about the show, you can always email me. The address is pickyfingersbanjopodcast at gmail.com. Always enjoy hearing from you, and I really appreciate hearing your comments. Today's episode is about how to use basic passing chords in the context of bluegrass and perhaps folk music and other, other styles like that. This lesson is basically going to apply to any of you who are at, I would say, an advanced beginner or lower intermediate level uh, in terms of your playing skill. I will, I will say that it's probably important that you know your basic chords, your G's, your C's, your D's, and hopefully know a few different places to play them on the banjo neck. It will also really help you if you know where some of the notes are on the banjo neck. For example, if I say that you need to play an F note, then obviously knowing where the F notes are on your banjo is something that's going to help you get the most out of this lesson. The lesson itself, as its name suggests, is just teaching you how to, once, you, once you've established ways of playing the G's, the C's, the D's, giving you a little bit of extra flair to add to it. You may have even seen guitar players, you know that it's just holding on a G chord, but they're moving their fingers, and what are they, what are they doing that's changing the chord before they move to a C? Well, this is, this is the kind of stuff that is, is very, very common. Definitely with bluegrass players, they use, they use these basic passing chords all the time. So being introduced to these is something that will uh, really help you get up to speed a little more quickly. As was the case with some of these other lesson-oriented episodes, I do have a tablature sheet that's available for download. And if you didn't get it from this site already, you can visit banjopodcast.libsyn.com. So that's banjopodcast.libsyn, that's spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. And under the show heading, you will see that downward arrow download icon and it'll say tab sheet should be pretty self-explanatory if you go to that page otherwise if for some reason you don't see it or you're unable to access that feel free to email me again at pickyfingersbanjopodcast at gmail.com and just uh, 
say, hey, Keith, please send me the tab sheet for the uh, Passing Chords episode. And I'm very happy to, to send that along to you. So anyway, here we go. Get out your banjo, get out this tab sheet, and let's learn about some basic bluegrass passing chords. Today we're going to take a look at how to use basic passing chords. And passing chords are used in, I think, probably all genres of music. And as you might expect, they are used also in bluegrass and folk music too. They're used all the time and they're a very useful tool, a very useful device to give your playing just another dimension to it. And it's especially useful for those of you who have maybe spent some time learning and you, you know your G's and C's and D chords and you just need to take that extra little step to like I said, give your playing another dimension to it and progress into something that sounds a little more interesting, a little more professional, this is a good way to start doing that. So, first thing, what the heck is a passing chord anyway? Well, as its name kind of suggests, a passing chord is something that you use kind of as a uh, transition from one chord leading into whatever the chord is after it. And these passing chords make a musical, give, give some musical direction to the listener's ear from the one chord to the next. And if they're used properly, there's a natural flow to it, often with a little bit of tension and release. And you'll be able to hear exactly what I'm talking about. Here's an example. I'm only going to play, this is how powerful some, some passing chords can be. I'll just play this one chord and see if you can tell what chord your ear expects to hear immediately after. So what chord does your ear want to hear right now? It wants to hear this, right? So let's hear that again, the first chord leading into the next. So that's what I mean by a little bit of of tension. There are different types of tension in music. There's rhythmic tension, and this happens to be, I guess, what we would call harmonic tension. I'm using certain notes that make your ear want for it to resolve and land on whatever that next chord is. So how do we do that? How do we use these clever chords to make listeners' ears naturally want to hear what you know that you're going to play next. Well, this is how. Like I mentioned, there is a tab sheet. So let me take a look at this. The first transition that we're going to make. Now, this is all, like I said, in a bluegrass context. So I'm going to assume that the song that we're playing is a G, C, and D song. One that uses G chords, C chords, and D chords. Because Let's face it, that's a vast majority of what we play. Now, the first transition that we're going to do is when we move from a G chord to a C chord. And the passing chord for that situation is what we call a G7 chord. 
a G7 chord, if you listened to the episode 12 about how to harmonize things, you know that chords are based on the first, third, and fifth degrees of a scale. So for G, that means the G chord is spelled G, B, and D. And if you find any combination of G's, B's, and D's anywhere on the banjo neck, that's going to sound to your ear like a G chord. So how do, how do we get from a G chord to a G7? Well, I, I said that the first, third, and fifth degrees make the G chord. When you add a seventh, now this is going to be the note F for a G7 chord. Now you might say, but wait a minute, the seventh note in a G scale is actually the F sharp. Well, there is a chord called a G major seven, which uses the one, three, five, and then that F sharp. And that would be called a G major seven chord. That's not what we're talking about here. There's a different chord called a G seven, sometimes called a G dominant seven where you flatten that F-sharp to an F. So now we have G, B, D, and F notes. So here, if you look at the tab sheet, these are the common ways to play a G7 chord, what I have in those first two measures. And these are not the only ways to play them. You don't have to play them like this. But just know that any combination of Gs, Bs, Ds, and F notes is going to imply to listeners' ears that G7 tonality. Here's the first shape, and I'll just kind of play through the different shapes. I will arpeggiate the notes and then play them all together. So those aren't quite as pretty sounding as just playing a normal G. They have that built-in tension to them that could be suggest kind of a bluesy sound, but it, it has that, that bluesy sort of tension to it that makes your ear want to hear what's next. And in this case, what is next is going to be a C. So let's take just that first, that first G7 shape where you have the, the open strings, but then the third fret on that high D string. And what we're going to do is we're going to strum just to the open G chord. And then you strum that G7. And then move to a C. So let's hear how that sounds if I just do two strums of each. So you can as you can see all of a sudden if we had a if we had a song that we're just moving from a G chord to a C chord normally we would just do this 
But now you have something a little extra to do that makes it a little more interesting. So virtually any time that you're playing a song where it goes from a G to a C or from any kind of one chord to the four chord, if you don't know what that means, you might have to to look that up. But in this case, the G would be the one chord and the C would be the four chord. That passing chord is a G7 or from the one to the one seven and then to the four. So again, um, maybe we don't have a strummy pattern like this. Maybe you're doing more of a bluegrass pattern, like a... And you can do the same thing. G, G7, C. G, G7. And there you have it. And that's, it's probably easy to overuse. You're going to want to be somewhat sparing with it, but it's, it makes for some great movement from one chord to the next. And we'll, we'll keep exploring that a little bit as we go. Now, passing chords, when I, when I say passing chords, when you think chords, you typically think of rhythm instruments and that's true. Typically, if, if an instrument is playing chords, it's, it's playing a backup pattern. However, you can use the same principle that makes for passing rhythm chords to spice up your lead playing. We just learned that adding that F note, for example, helps us move from a G chord to a C chord. Now, if you're playing maybe a lead pattern... Or maybe it's not even lead. Maybe it's a backup pattern, but it's more of a roll-based pattern. Something like that. Introducing that F note. You can, you can use that too. There's nothing that says you have to use that full G7 before you move to a C in order to get the benefit of of that same sort of tension that lets listeners' ears know what's coming next. So that first lick, which is still on the first line of that tab, would be a very typical way of, if you're playing a roll pattern, making a quick transition from G to C by introducing that F note on the low D string, which is the, the third fret on the low D string. So I'll play this lick... Uh, twice. I'll play it a bit slower the first time, and then I'll play it a little quicker to give it more of a, a realistic sound for you to hear what it typically sounds like. And now up to speed. And that's a little isolated, so let me let me play into it a little bit and see if you can hear the lick and, and hear how that note gives the whole thing a little movement sweeping into that C chord.
So that's a really good thing for you to introduce to your playing is if you can maybe where you would have just hit an open note, if you can snag one of those F notes right before you go to a C, that'll add that little, little extra. Here's another one that I use a whole lot. This is another lick. This is on um, the second line, those first two measures. This one's a little trickier and it actually adds, I'm not, I'm not going to go into it too much, but it adds another little passing section. But if you read the tab, you'll get the, you'll get the gist of this one. Again, I'll, uh, I'll play it pretty slow and then speed it up. And now up to speed. And now if I play it in context, you'll hear how it might sound in a song. You know, something like that. Just any time you're you're going from G to C, that's that's a cool groovy way to do it. Here's something. Here's another lick for going G to C that introduces a bit of melodic playing. I like this one too. I use this one all the time. And this is the the second lick on the second line. So the last two measures of the second line on the tab sheet. And up to speed. So those are just three ideas, but you kind of get the point that anytime you can introduce that F note into your regular licks or, or into some basic playing, that's really going to help that movement. Even if you go... Let's, let's take this high G, which is the 8th fret on the B string. And that's the only note I'm going to play. Or the only note I'm going to fret, rather. The rest is going to be open strings. And now listen what happens when I move to the F, which is two frets down from... Then I just went to a C. And so these things are everywhere. Anytime you can, you can incorporate that, that's a very natural sound uh, to the human ear. The, it tends to know where the music is going, and it gives it a ni- nice natural flow and direction and momentum to your playing. Now the next passing chord is going to be very, very similar, except it's from, for when you go from D back to G. And it's going to be the same thing. We're going to use D, and then the passing chord will be a D7, and then to a G. Now a D7, it's it's the same formula. It's the first, third, fifth, and then that flatted seventh note, um, which in the case of a D chord is going to be the C note. 
So a D seventh chord is spelled D, F sharp, A, C. And here are the voicings for that that I tabbed out. And this is um, the line of the tablature where it says D7 voicings. And we're going to use this the same way that we used the G7 going from the G to the C. This is going to be for situations moving from D back to G. So, the same thing. We're holding on a D. Then if we move to a D7. Then a G. And you can hear how that sets up that tension that gets then resolved once you land back on the G chord. So a good way to practice this stuff is to get used to all these D7 voicings. And again, this is not an exhaustive list of all the ways to play D7. You might be able to discover a few more on your own. Basically, anytime you're playing notes of the D chord, but then add a C to it, you're going to end up with some version of, of D7, and that should work. So you're going to want to play around with finding a D chord. This, this is like the, the bar shape on the 7th fret. Play around with doing that, adding the C to it, and then moving to a G. And try to do that for everywhere you know a D chord, try to get comfortable switching from a D to a D7, no matter where you play your D chords. And for that matter, do that the same for moving from a G to a G7. Those you should always know for every chord shape that you have, how to, how to adjust it to get to those, to those seventh voicings. That's going to be a really useful skill for you. Now, just like the G to C chord movement, the D to D7 to G doesn't have to be in the form of strummed chords or anything like that. You can also use it for your lead or backup playing, blend it into some rolls, use it in, in all sorts of different strategic and musical ways. So here are a few ways to do that. Here's the I, I put a lick right after the, the D7 voicings, those next two measures, is one way of moving from D to D7 to G using uh, a syncopated type of, of roll pattern. And you'll hear how it sounds a little bluesy, and it's a, it's a good way to, to go through that chord progression. And up to speed, I might play it like this. And 
then I have a few more licks here for you. This is more of a either a backup pattern lick or maybe a, a pattern that you might use in a, a slower kind of tune. But um, this one's up the neck a little bit. Check this one out. Now, typically, especially if it's on a slower tune, you might want to swing the rhythm a little bit, and it'll probably remind you of a lot of Scruggsy-type playing that you've probably heard. Um, so this is it, a little more up to speed and with maybe a little swing to it. And again, all that's doing is starting with a D shape, those sevens, kind of walking up to that 10th fret, which is a C note, and using that to add tension before we go to the G. Uh, here's another one that introduces a little of the melodic flair, an another way to go from D to G using a, a D7 tonality. And this is that second lick on the, I'm losing my spot here. This is the fourth line of the tab, um, the second two measures there, that second lick. So that's a bit more of a fancy lick and uses the melodics and an extra little sidebar for this one. Something I like to add to this lick to, to jazz it up a bit is before you go to that high seven, seventh fret on the, the D string, I'll actually slide into that from the fifth fret. So listen to how it, it adds a little bit of uh funkiness if you can add that. Yeah, little extra extra jazzy flair there. So far we've talked about two different passing chords. We've talked about using a G7 chord to go in between a G and a C. When you're moving from a G to a C, you add that G7 in between to give the music movement. Same thing by adding a D7 when you're moving from a D to a G. And hopefully you find those really useful. An, an underrated use for these is actually just as communication. You'd be amazed at how many times if you're in a jam, uh, if you're anything like me at, at my jams, there's going to be a lot of songs played that you might not be familiar with, or even if you are familiar with, there might be other players there who are not. And these passing chords are an extremely effective way of telegraphing to the other players who might not know the chords. Like, hey, we're on a G right now, but you hear me playing this G7, that means we're about to go to a C right now. And as a player who doesn't know the progression, they appreciate it when someone takes the time to telegraph what's coming up to them so that 
they maybe don't have to mess up even on a song that they don't know. And that's being a better team player, being a good uh, jam participant is helping other other people along who might be unfamiliar. And if you're the person who who doesn't know the progression, pay attention because chances are some people at the jam are using these passing chords and that's a surefire way to tell if somebody starts hammering on that G7 when you've just been playing a G, you better be on the lookout because a C is coming. I can almost guarantee it. There is one more passing chord that I'd like to talk about. This one is slightly less common, but it it is still pretty useful and I think is another good tool to have in your arsenal as a banjo player. This one is a it has a scary name, but I promise it's not as scary as it sounds. It's a C sharp diminished. And what I how I remember this chord is it's really just a C. But if you if you know which note of this chord is the C, you move that note up one fret but keep everything else the same. So where this is a C, this would be that C sharp diminished. And that's the that first shape. I'm on the last line of the first page of the tab sheet. So here are the C sharp diminished shapes uh, that we have for you today. this one's even a little more uh, creates a little even more tension than those seventh chords so this one is one that can potentially go if you're moving from a C directly to a D so here would be a C let's listen to what this does and I'm going to, to that C sharp diminished now to a D I'll do it a little faster so you can hear it. Now this one is a little less common, but this is even something that we've heard Earl Scruggs use a little bit. He used, um, I don't know if he did that exactly, but he did something very close to it in Beverly Hillbillies. You've heard him go... I'm sure I didn't play that exactly how Earl did, but you can recognize that he goes. I think he just moved the whole C shape up, whereas as part of this lesson, we're just moving the C note up. But it's that same kind of feel. It's that same kind of logic of using that passing chord to create tension in between the C and the D. He's, he's using it for the same reason, and you could really do it either way, too. 
but the way we have it on the lesson here is just raising that C to a C sharp to create that C sharp diminished chord to go in between those two. So how do we use this one? So here, here's another example. Uh, the next two measures would be, again, kind of a more of a backup oriented pattern, but it is it is a roll pattern rather than just a strict chord strum or chord uh, vamp shape. And this is actually one that we're going to get our first taste of how to tie all of these passing chords together. So as you can see by the chords that are above the top of the tab, this is going from a G to a C, then to a D, and back to a G. But if you look closely at the roll patterns, the notes change to incorporate those passing chords. So what you're not seeing is in between that G and the C, there's going to be G7 tonality. In between the C and the D, there's going to be that C-sharp diminished tonality. And then, of course, between the D and the G you'll have some D7 going on. So here's just a really nice basic way that outlines what that whole sequence sounds like. So that is, you can tell it has a lot more movement to it than just blocking on those single chords for a couple beats and then switching right to another chord. There's a little bit of, there's just more movement to it. So this last sequence that we have, and this is the, the two measures that didn't quite fit onto the first page of the tab sheet. These are, so this is the two measures on the second page. This is just a sort of a quick overview of the type of backup pattern that you could use using these. And of course, I made it lay, lay out with a nice G to C to G to back to G transition just to illustrate the passing chords. The, in real life, of course, this is going to be mixed up in whatever way the song calls for. But here's what this tab tells you to do and I can I can explain a little bit more after I demonstrate it here. So this is pretty representative of maybe kind of a a swingier type vibe. So if, if, if maybe it didn't happen so quickly, but had a little bit more time to vamp on the, on the each chord, you might hear something like this. So I jazzed it up a little bit there, but this is really the, the basis for it are you is that you're using different shapes of G at the appropriate time you're using a shape of G7 moving to a shape of C and, and you know you keep replacing those those middle spots where you would normally just be holding that measure on one chord 
you're moving to that intermediate or passing chord before you get to the next. And it just kind of gives that extra, extra movement to the music, like I keep saying. So really the best way to practice all this stuff is to just get very familiar with, as I kind of mentioned before, getting used to all your chord shapes, making sure that no matter where you have a D chord, you know how to move from that to a D7. Wherever you have a G, be able to move from that to a G7. And pretty soon you'll be able to move fluently between these shapes like you hopefully already can do just between the G, the regular G, C, and D chords. And you'll, you'll be surprised at how much more interesting that sounds. You'll go from this... To this. Now that's not super fancy, but it's it's sure a lot more interesting and, and definitely once you work in a few other locations on the neck, when you're getting used to all those different shapes, you can come up with a pretty a pretty happening kind of backup or even even lead pattern to these things. One final thing I'd like to point out about this use of passing chords, I've demonstrated all of these using only G, C, and D chords, mostly because that's the most typical combination of, of chords that you're going to run into in bluegrass and folk music, but it's really just about the, the theory behind it. And that theory is you can use, so for the G going to C chord, you can use that G seventh chord because you have movement that is one chord to a chord that is a fourth above the G. And it's a little beyond the scope of this lesson to teach the theory behind that. I touch on it quite a bit in episode 12, the, the harmony lessons. But essentially, when you're going from G, if you consider G as the one chord, A would be the two, B would be the three, C would be the four. So that's from one to a fourth above G. So in that situation, you can substitute that one-seventh chord as the passing chord in between those two. Now, likewise, we can do that from the D going back to the G, because even though that is technically a five-to-one change, the relationship between those is still the same. For example, if you, if you count D as the first note, then you have E, F-sharp, and then G is a fourth above the D. So you have that same relationship between those two chords. Therefore, you can substitute that D7 chord as the passing chord. So I really hope that makes sense. Feel free to let me know if, if it doesn't, and I can try to explain that a little better. But that's the theory behind it. And then likewise, going from the C to the D chord, where we substituted as the passing chord that C sharp diminished, 
that is essentially just two chords, the second chord being a whole step above the first chord. You, you substitute that, that passing chord for that situation. So what are, some, what are some other ways that you can have one chord going to a fourth above it? You might have a two to five. That's actually pretty common. And a good, a good demonstration of a lot of these different combinations is the chorus section to a song that a lot of you are going to be familiar with, The Old Home Place. And if any of you know how the chorus goes... What have they done to the old home place? Why did they tear it down? And why did I leave the plow in the field and look for a job in the town? The song is in, well, we'll, we'll play it out of G. Most people play it out of B flat, but um, we're not capoed here, so we'll play it out of G. So the chord sequence for that chorus part is going to be, it's going to start on a D, and then G, and then it's go, going to go to a two chord, the A chord, and then finally to a D. So let's think about this. It starts on the D, and then moves to the G. So what passing chord could we use for that? Well... That happens to be the 5 to 1 change. So we know that we can add a D7th before we move back to the G. Where does it go from there? It goes to that 2 chord. What do we have there? We have G going to a chord that's a whole step above it, which means we can use one of those diminished passing chords. Where does it go from there? It goes from the A to the D. And hey, that's another situation of the second chord being a fourth above our first chord. So from A to the D, or the 2 to the 5 in this situation, we can again use that 7th chord. In this case, it's an A7. And again, to find that 7th note, you take the root note, which is an A, flatten it by a whole step, so in this case, that's a G note that you've added to the A chord. And that's your A7, and then on to the D. And for those of you who know the song, know that then it goes back into the G section. So there's passing chords possible everywhere here. So again, we, we start on the D, then D7, G, G sharp diminished, A, a7, D, D7, G. So I'll play a little bit of, of that song here, and I'll use these passing chords. And it, it might sound a little silly. It's probably overdoing it for a real-life situation, but it's just to illustrate how many chances you probably have to, to put these passing chords into play and use them in your playing and it'll be up to you to just always be using your ear and determine which of these situations is appropriate to use them, which isn't, when, when is too much. That, that's all a judgment call, and that's when your, your ear and your musicianship come into play. But, but here's how it could potentially work. So here it is. I'll play just a, a little lead-in measure, and it'll go right to the, to the chorus section for Old Home Place. 
So I hope you're all able to to follow that. If you're if you're familiar with the song, you probably are familiar with the that progression. Um, it's a very well known song. It's worth learning if you don't know it. Uh, but that that shows again the use of the passing chords. Again, I probably overdid it and just use your discretion. And that's going to do it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed learning about these basic bluegrass passing chords. I hope you find it useful. I hope it helps your playing. But never hesitate to reach out if you need any other clarification or questions on this. I can be reached at ban- uh, I'm sorry, Picky Fingers Banjo Podcast at gmail.com. I've only said that a million times. I should know that by now. Thanks again to today's supporter, Rory Petrie of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Thank you, Rory, for supporting the show. Hope everyone enjoyed it, and I'll uh, see you all next time.